Well, hello, and welcome to this edition of the new podcast from Probe Ministries. I'm going to be your host today. My name is Paul Rutherford. I'm a research associate here with Probe Ministries International, and we are a ministry equipping believers in Jesus Christ in apologetics and worldview. We are dedicated to freeing Christians from cultural captivity and to building them into confident ambassadors for Christ. We want you to know that we're here for you. We want you to think biblically about every aspect of your life. And today we're going to cover just one topic, a great topic, but many, many more are already covered at our website. And if you have other questions, please go check that out. It's uh, probe.org, P-R-O-B-E dot O-R-G. So if you have a hard question or a question that you just can't seem to get a biblical response to, then please go check out the website. So today we're going to be talking about archaeology. Archaeology and the Bible. Are there hard rubs? Are there difficult findings in archaeology? Do those corroborate the Bible? Do they not? What does that look like? And that's the conversation we're going to have today. My guest is my boss, president of Probe Ministries International, also the host of Point of View radio show, Kirby Anderson. Kirby, good to have you. Good to be with you and uh, looking forward to our conversation today about archaeology. Yeah, so why don't you tell us a little bit of just of your experience and your background in, in archaeology before we get going. And again, many of the topics we are addressing here on the podcast are ones where we have some expertise. I can't claim to be an archaeologist. I've had a privilege of interviewing a number of them and read some of this. So this is really more sort of like an armchair archaeologist, as well as somebody that is traveled to Israel and Greece. But I really want to pass this on, Paul, to some of our listeners so that they realize that, first of all, as we'll be talking about, there's a lot of archaeological evidence that confirms the Old Testament, some archaeological evidence that confirms the New Testament. And then a little bit later, there was this wonderful article that appeared in Christianity Today about uh, many of the top archaeological discoveries of this last uh, few days. And so uh, this is just something I think you're going to find really helpful in terms of just uh, being able to talk to your friends and maybe answer some of the questions you might have. Yeah, for sure, Kirby. So why don't, why don't you kick us off then in explaining to us what is the value in, in talking about archaeology? One value, I think, of archaeology is simply the fact that when we are dealing with this, we don't have sometimes historical records, so archaeologists are able to uncover some material, and that then indirectly oftentimes confirms the record that we find in the Bible. Let's be honest, oftentimes archaeologists, whether they're working in Egypt or even those in Israel, they may be trying to just understand Egyptology. They might be trying to understand the history of Israel, but they aren't necessarily trying to verify the Bible. But when Mm -hmm. we find those details, interestingly enough, we find that that actually does confirm some of the historical accuracy of the Old and New Testament. Mm -hmm. There's another value, and that is the fact that sometimes when we're even reading our own Bibles, it doesn't make a great deal of sense. We wonder, why does that author say this, or why do we hear that Uh particular reference to that particular group? And so later, archaeology helps us not only understand the historical accuracy, but it also helps us understand the context of some of the surrounding cultures, Mm. some of the social and political circumstances. And so that is the case. Uh, But before we get into the specifics, let me just mention there are some limitations. Obviously, we have the archaeology, we have the artifacts, but we're looking in the past. 
And so just as we sometimes have, say, investigators doing forensic science, like CSI or Sherlock Holmes, you have the evidence of the crime, but you don't have actually haven't observed the crime. When you talk about earth history or paleontology, you have the bones and the stones, but where you, again, <laughs> have to provide some interpretation. Yes. So again, we recognize there's some obvious limitations to archaeology, and there are some interpretations, and recognize that some archaeologists may actually have even a little bit of a bias against the Bible, sure. but they have to sometimes begrudgingly admit that the Bible actually turned out to be more historical than they thought it might have been. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's great. What are some of the things that leading archaeologists are saying about the Bible? And I thought I'd give you just a couple of quotes, which again, you can find at probe.org and also in our booklet on archaeology. But William Albright is an individual that is well known in this field. As a matter of fact, if you go to Israel and as you leave the garden tomb, you can actually walk right by the Albright uh, Institute. And he said there can be no doubt that archaeology has confirmed the substantial historicity of the Old Testament tradition. Or another example would be an archaeologist by the name of Nelson Gluck. He actually served as the president of Hebrew Union College, and he stated that it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Wow. Scores of archaeological findings have been made which confirm the clear outline or exact detail of historical statements in the Bible. And he says, and by same token, proper evaluation of biblical descriptions have often led to amazing discoveries. Hmm. Now, he's Jewish, obviously, and okay. uh, isn't necessarily looking at all of that from a biblical lens or even a Christian lens, yeah. but that is the case. But one more quote, just to give you an illustration of some of the positive things that have been said. Millar Burroughs served as professor of archaeology at Yale University, okay. and he one time remarked that on the whole, however, archaeological work has unquestionably strengthened confidence in the reliability of the scriptural record. Mm. He says more than one archaeologist has found his response respect for the Bible increased by the experience of excavation in Palestine. Hmm. Well, that's great. So when it comes to archaeology, when it comes to the historical reliability of the scriptures, one thing that I hear frequently is the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, what the about Dead the Dead Sea Scrolls? Scrolls yes, yeah. what about the Dead Sea <laughs> What is all this that I hear about the Dead Sea Scrolls, and why are they so significant? And that's significant in the sense that it was perhaps the greatest archaeological find of the 20th century, found in 1947, a little shepherd boy throwing some rocks and hits uh, something that breaks, and he finds a vase and finds these scrolls, which turn out to be a tremendous find of mm-hmm. about 800 different fragments, some full scrolls, some are fragments. Okay. Yes. But the significance, uh, Paul, I think in large part has to do with the fact that up until that time, the oldest manuscripts we had of the Old Testament, these were left by the Masoretic scribes, was around about 900 AD. But these, which were found in the Qumran community, the Essene community there, were from about 100 BC. So, Paul, what we can do is go wow. back a thousand years wow. earlier yeah. and see what kind of transmission did we have. Yes. Because sometimes you've heard people say, well, you know, they're making copies of copies of copies. Yeah. You know, it's like the telephone game. Maybe, exactly a like bit, that. You know? That's not and, reliable. The telephone reliable. game is not reliable. But the good news is, is we recognize that, first of all, these were Old Testament scribes who were Jewish, who believed that they were transcribing the Word of God. So, they were taking a lot more care 
than oh, you yeah. and I might I'm have sure been. I'm sure they were. But more importantly, it gave us a chance to compare the Masoretic scribe text from 900 AD to the Essene texts that are from the Qumran community 100 BC. And what we find is there were very few variations. It's occasionally changes due to spelling or grammar. And so if nothing else, really demonstrated that the transmission of the Old Testament was very, very accurate. Very accurate. Very faithful. That's incredible. Wow. To be able to go back a thousand years to predate our our earliest manuscripts by a thousand years, by a whole millennia, that's, that's incredible see why people talk about the Dead Sea Scrolls as well. So one of the things that's recorded in Scripture, one of the many people and cultures and locations that are mentioned, especially throughout the Old Testament, um, but that I know that has received some criticism from skeptics, is the, the Bible's recording of the Hittites. It, it mentions it many times. There's many famous stories that include some folks who recorded as Hittites. But as I understand it, archaeology has had, for some time, difficulty finding any evidence that the Hittites ever existed. And again, this is no small issue, especially up until the end of the 19th century. We had really no archaeological evidence of the Hittites. Wow. Mentioned 50 times in the Old Testament. Okay. I mean, you can think of all the examples. I mean, when the Israelites came into the Promised Land in Joshua 11, it talks about the Hittites. You have King David actually has Uriah the Hittite killed in 2 Kings. Um, And so we had really no archaeological evidence until about the turn of the last century, the 20th century, in which we then did uncover evidence of the Hittites in today, modern-day Turkey. I found temple sculptures, a storeroom with 10,000 clay tablets, uncovered the capital city. Today, you can go to major universities and study Semitic language including the language of the Hittites. But I think it's very powerful to illustrate the fact that there was a time not so long ago when Bible believers would have to say, well, the Bible does talk about the Hittites. I know we don't have any archaeological evidence, but I still believe the Bible is true. But now we have archaeological evidence to prove then again that the Bible was giving historically accurate information. Yeah, for sure, spiritually, we believe that the Bible is true by faith. At the same time, that's that's a very different conversation than having historical or archaeological evidence that corroborates what's recorded in Scripture. And that's great. Now, there are some um, other findings uh, that regard Old Testament recordings, right, other than just the Hittites. What are some other things that archaeology has discovered about uh, Old Testament Scripture. One other one I thought I would least mention would be King David. Now, again, as believers, we believe the Bible. When the Bible talks about King David, we believe that David exists. We believe that Saul exists. We believe that Solomon exists. Sure, I do. But this was another place where we did not have a lot of archaeological evidence of that. And interestingly enough, working in one site, which, by the way, was kind of close to Israeli border, so some places where it has been difficult to do archaeology. You know, there, some of these finds have been like on the border between Israel and Lebanon or between Israel and Syria. Well, if you have ISIS in Syria, you can recognize some of the dangers there. <laughs> yeah. So, nevertheless, they uncovered an inscription that means the house of David, and it dates back to about the 9th century BC. And it was kind of interesting because some people said, yeah, well, maybe that was a later artifact. No, it turns out that it was sealed. Sometimes when something is destroyed, the next layer on top of it sort of seals it. Yes. And it was sealed by an Assyrian destruction layer. So, there's no possibility that it was included later on. And so, again, we have evidence of the fact that here, 
the second king of the United Monarchy, King David, yeah, right. is actually found in archaeology. So wow. uh, we can give lots of examples. A little bit later, we'll even mention some books and articles that do that. But the good news is when you look at the Old Testament, you've got a fairly good amount of archaeological evidence to verify what we read in our scriptures. Wow. That is just fantastic. That is really, really interesting stuff. How we can go from having no evidence and even just sounds like even pretty recently finding mm-hmm. um, evidence for really important characters like David, for example. Now, it's not just the Old Testament, right? Shall we talk about the New Testament? I know that you had some things you want to talk about that. Certainly, because that's important, too. You know, first of all, Jesus spent a lot of time at Capernaum. It's mentioned about 16 times in the New Testament. And um, if you travel to Israel, they actually take you to Capernaum. You know, some of these towns have actually been built upon. Jerusalem yeah. is a good example like yeah, that. Yeah. But, I mean, when you go to Capernaum, when you go to Philippi, you go to Corinth, there's some places where we really have it just pretty much the way it was. Now, the remains of the synagogue in Capernaum is the one that was built in about the 4th century on the synagogue that Jesus was, but you can see where that was. Mm -hmm. You can see what many people think might actually be the home of Paul, uh, Peter, I should say. Uh, We also see that you have some of these one-story buildings, which we can see were covered by wooden beams and branches and explain how they were able to take the roof off and allow that man to be let down in front of Jesus. As I said, we can see the synagogue where he spoke. We can see the whole fishing village, so that's significant. Of course, when we go to Jerusalem, even though much has been built on top of it, mm-hmm. you can go there and you can see the steps to the temple that Jesus was actually okay. going up and down. You can see those steps where, no doubt, Peter was preaching to those individuals. We can see the pool of Bethesda. We can see the pool of Siloam. And then, of course, we have had archaeological evidence for what we already sort of knew was there. You have this coin that yeah, okay. has the portrait of Tiberius Caesar. Remember when he said, "What whose likeness is on the coin? Yeah. You know? Give yeah, unto yeah. Caesar the things that are Caesar. Give unto God things that are God. A yeah, famous when, response. When yeah. we go to Caesarea Maritima, you actually have something was discovered the last couple of years that mentions Pontius Pilate. And uh, we even have the remnant of a pavement of the palace of Herod Antipas. So when you start looking at that, you can see that there is quite a bit to actually validate that indeed Jesus was there and what it was like when he was there. And just real quickly before we move on, I thought I might also mention that now we have pretty good historical and archaeological evidence to prove that Luke was a very accurate historian. And that's important because Luke not only writes one of the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke, but Luke also writes the book of Acts. And so there is some research that has been done to really verify both through history and now through archaeology that every time Luke mentions something like nautical details, the name of gods, the designation of the magistrates, including the Tetrarch of Abilene, or many proper names and titles, Luke is always accurate. So whether you look at the Old Testament or the New Testament, we have pretty good archaeological evidence to validate a lot of historical accuracy that is there. Yeah, and you know, the way you describe Luke as, as being so specific in the things that he names in terms of leaders and places and things, just to make the, the broader point here before we continue to move on, just the significance of the Bible as an ancient holy book being unique among religious holy books because of the specificity uh, that is recorded in its pages, that it will unashamedly mention names of leaders and cities and places and people and culture. And as I understand it, it does that more so than any other 
ancient religious book. Yeah. And so for this to be corroborated by continually ongoing archaeological study, the implications are enormous. Oh, I think so. And again, it doesn't prove that it's the Word of God, but we would expect if it's the Word of God that it would be historically accurate. And so pretty interesting stuff Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you for putting in those qualifiers. Yeah. You know, but one of the other things I thought we might talk about for just a minute, and I mentioned that before, is there have been all these new finds that have come out. And it's interesting because it's twofold, Paul. One is that we've had some of these things that have been discovered, but now we have the technology to actually see what is on, in some cases, a round-up scroll on a ring or on some kind of artifact, or in other cases, they've been found. So this is last year has been just really pretty significant in terms of some of these archaeological finds. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I know just in the past even year, two years, a lot of really significant things have been discovered and found. And one of the footnotes we'll have there is something that came out in the end of 2018 mm-hmm. in Christianity Today, Biblical Archaeology's Top Discoveries. And I'll just give you a few because there's 10 of them and it yeah, just takes sure. forever to go through all of those but one of those which was real interesting is they found this inscription about Jerusalem on this pillar and it was in an ancient potter's village and uh, that's kind of intriguing one because if you think about Matthew 27 when Mm -hmm. Judas returned the money yeah thrown on the temple floor what did they do they went out and bought a potter's field this is a potter's area as well but just the inscription of jerusalem that goes and predates uh, jesus just again gives us some historical accuracy and it's interesting because the picture that you see in one of these articles says that the individual taking those pictures he was a jewish archaeologist said his hands were shaking when he was taking the picture because this was such a significant (laughs) archaeological find for us we go well jerusalem no big deal but it was very significant there yeah but the one that i thought um, we might camp on for just a minute Uh is what happened when isis was in mosul now many of our people might remember mosul's in iraq mosul is the ancient city of nineveh Mm. now when the isis terrorists were there it's really intriguing because they actually destroyed some of it looking for artifacts they could sell on the black market and make money and the article that came out recently was entitled isis accidentally corroborates the Bible. (laughs) What they did was they destroyed what was seen or at least venerated as the tomb of Jonah. Whether that was Jonah's tomb or not, everybody believes that it was. So they destroyed that. And by doing that, they uncovered this ancient, interestingly enough, palace. And because of that, then they began to look through some of the things, the palace of King Esarhaddon. But what's so intriguing is that they began to go through these materials that were from this Assyrian palace. Yeah, Assyrian palace. They found the Assyrian kings that are listed are in the exact order that are listed in the Bible. So it shows that the Bible's history of Assyria matches what we now can corroborate from archaeology. Now, it's doubtful that the ISIS terrorists were there trying to advance archaeological (laughs) investigation or corroborate the Bible, but accidentally, that's exactly what they did. Yeah, doubtful. I appreciate your (laughs) understatement there on that one. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, I know some of these discoveries have come about 
out recently and of late because of uh, changes in technology, recent developments Certainly. in technology. So can you elaborate on that? Tell us exactly what's changed recently technologically that's opening up the field of archaeology. And again, I'll go through about three of those of the okay. ten real quickly because people might not want to get into all of that. But uh, for example, they now have been able to read some of these documents. For example, they have some of these seals that are hard yep. to read. They have what's called a Becca weight, which was real hard to read. And then there was another one, which was this ring that was discovered many years ago, actually in what's called the Herodium, interestingly enough, which is outside of uh, Jerusalem, actually kind of near Bethlehem. Yeah, okay. And what's so interesting is the technology has now allowed them to read some of this. And one they found on one of these seals that it says Isaiah. Now, whether that's the Isaiah the prophet, it might be because it was found with other seals that said King Hezekiah. So that's interesting. They found uh, discussions about maybe a governor that might, uh, and of course, the scriptures talk about governors of Jerusalem. But the one with the ring of Pontius Pilate, they've had the ring for some time, but now they can read it and see that it does say Pontius Pilate. Mm. Now, does that mean that that was a ring worn by Pontius Pilate? Well, no, it's not that fancy. And probably what it means is that this was a ring actually worn by somebody who was associated with Pontius Pilate, one of his officials. And oftentimes when you would have some kind of document to show that it was actually issued by Pontius Pilate, they would put some wax on it and then they used the ring to actually seal it, you know, seal it with the hot wax. Mm -hmm. And so that no doubt was worn by an individual that was in some way or another associated with Pontius Pilate, maybe one of his lieutenants, okay. and then it was later lost and now has been mm. discovered, and now the new technology has allowed us to be able to read that ring. Uh, back to the Dead Sea Scrolls, we've actually now developed technology to read some of the scrolls which we cannot open because they would just shatter if oh, you did. too frail. And so now yeah. with the new technologies creating kind of a three-dimensional matrix, we've been able to read some of that to determine what's on them. So if nothing else, the good news is, is we are finding more and more archaeological discoveries which corroborate and validate and establish the historical accuracy of the Bible. Wow, that's just incredible. Now, Kirby, if you would, can you talk to someone who's listening today and maybe heard this for the first time and just fascinated, like they want to learn more about it. Can you recommend some books to learn more about archaeology and the Bible? And if you go to our website, we have some of that. But again, there are a couple of books that I might recommend as well as an article. The article is fairly simple. It was in Christianity Today in December, so you'll be able to find that very easily. But uh, Norm Geisler is a good friend of this ministry, and he and Joseph sure. Holden actually published a book just a few years ago called The Popular Handbook of Archaeology in the Bible, Discoveries that Confirm the Reliability of the Bible. It's published okay. by Harvest House. should be pretty easy to find. Mm, okay. uh, Randall Price has actually been on my radio program before, and he wrote a book years ago called The Stones Cry Out. But there's a newer book, which you would probably be able to find in your bookstore. All of these, I'm sure, are available on various kinds of online mm -hmm. sources. But that book, Randall Price, written with Wayne House, who's also written for us, The Zondervan Handbook on 
biblical archaeology. So those are a couple of key books. And of course, the classic book written by an archaeologist years ago, Edwin Yamauchi, The Stones and the Scriptures, are just a couple of resources that are available. Pat Zucran has articles on our website on Old Testament archaeology, New Testament archaeology, and I'm going to have one as well that uh, is also correlated to this podcast that you can find on some of the newer finds on archaeology that would, I think, be very interesting to some of our listeners. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Thank you for uh, pointing us in those directions. If you uh, have found this interesting, do check out our website. There's more information there, just like you said. If you have a different question that this podcast didn't answer, more than likely we have something on our website about it. There's over 1,800 different posts at our website at probe.org. Uh, use that search field and put in your key search terms to find those. And however you are listening to this podcast today, please make sure you subscribe so that you can continue to get great content like this new podcast from Probe Ministries. Again, our guest today has been uh, President of Probe Ministries, Kirby Anderson. Kirby, thanks for being with me. Thank you. And I've been your host, Paul Rutherford. We'll see you next time. <laughs>